Happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you. You look like a monkey, and you smell happy like birthday. one too. <laughs> Thanks, guys. You don't know how much this means to what? me. What? We weren't singing for you. We were singing for John Travolta. Who invited you anyway, Mac? This is a private event. You need to leave. Jerk. I don't know exactly what I've done to deserve the goodwill. John! 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 Give it to me recently, but I truly do appreciate it. Hello everyone, welcome back to Critically Optimistic. I am your host Janko, and joining me is our lovable co-hosts Maggie and Max. Say hello guys. Hello. <laughs> Alright. <laughs> well, February is upon us, and uh, an interesting thing that, uh, that brings us all together and gives adds something in common for all of us is that uh, it is the birthday month for all of us uh so for that occasion <clears throat> this episode is our big birthday special which means that we each pick a film from the year we were born that uh, we feel a strong connection to and are very fond of and um, uh, there are three good films chosen for this episode uh, my choice choice became my cousin Vinny, and uh, uh, and you have Max, who was hard-boiled, and you have Maggie's, who was, uh, which is true stories. And, uh, well, uh, since we can, uh, we'll start it off with the order of, uh, of the birthday, uh, which is my choice, my cousin Vinny, my birthday is 1st of February, and, uh, <clears throat> uh, so my cousin Vinny, uh, two carefree pals traveling through Alabama are mistakenly arrested and charged with murder. Uh, fortunately, one of them has a cousin who's a lawyer called Vincent Gambini, a former auto mechanic from Brooklyn who just passed his bar exam after his sixth try. When he arrives with his leather-clad girlfriend uh, to try his first case, it's a real shock for him and the Deep South. It's a very fun film. Uh, uh, I, I feel like they were like right away you have um, the story that just takes off uh, you have a very very good introduction to to this film and from there you kind of get you kind of get a, a good footing on what this film is about and from there it has a pretty good pedestal on uh, where the court is going uh, when did you watch this film first uh, Janko? For first, uh, well, it was actually uh, uh, it was actually quite recent, actually a couple okay. of years ago. Um, 
so it is not it is not a very nostalgic film to me but it is a film that right away i thought yeah this is this is good this is brilliant i um i really got something out of this and um this was your first time watching this film right mac yeah it was my first time watching it yeah. i never seen it before even though it's been on my watch list like a lot of movies for ever um, yeah, what, what impression did you get did you get from it my impression of it is good i liked it uh it was a fun courtroom drama well more comedy than drama but it was still like funny and heartfelt and likable characters with very clear personalities um putting that sort of brooklyn attitude in a very uh southern like front you know where it's the yeah. most south town that you could probably think of or be written down mm. i mean that as a theater <laughs> sense not as in a literal sense <laughs> oh okay um but yeah it, it's a it's a contrast right and uh, people always yeah. like to see those kind of contrasts they they like seeing fish out of water stories and in this case we get four fish out of water so that's that's always kind of fun um, I also enjoyed the fact that the Karate Kid is in this. Uh, yeah, Ralph Macchio. I I enjoy his acting. To be honest, I think he probably yeah, didn't do much because uh, he was typecast for doing karate. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the last thing I saw him in was the the Cobra Kai TV show. So and he does well in that too. Oh, I've never seen it. Still have to get on. <laughs> I don't think I've even seen The Karate Kid. Really? Really. It was kind of, when I was younger, um, it was considered more of like a boys movie by my family, and I wasn't allowed to watch it. So the question is, did you watch Karate Kid 4? No. (laughs) Like the next Karate Kid? I've never seen any of them. Yeah. I've never seen any of them. Because the Karate Kid 4 is about a girl instead of a boy. That's why I was asking. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I could go on, but let's, uh, Maggie, Maggie has a bit to say about this film, I know. Uh, I mentioned this to y'all, like, when I was in high school, we had, like, me and my friends had a handful of movies that we, we kept in rotation, like, when we would have, like, you know, like, house parties when the parents went away and stuff, and we'd watch, and this was one of them, and I hadn't seen it since then, um, so I didn't remember a lot about it. But one thing that really cracks me up on this movie is the the North meeting the South. Because I am Southern, you know, I'm in mm-hmm. Louisiana. Yeah, that, so that whole grit scene, I've literally had that convert. I've actually legitimately had that conversation <laughs> with people from up North before where they just don't know what grits are. And it's so foreign and like it's such a weird concept to them that they're just like, like they'll be literally afraid to eat it. And it's... So I thought it was really funny that they actually put that in the movie and like her taking pictures of him taking a little, little tiny bite of grits. Like, have y'all had grits before or is that not? I've never had it. I, I... No, I mean, it's literally, I, it's only a regional thing, Maggie. So I think you could have this conversation with anyone in the world. See, I, I didn't know. I didn't know it was a regional thing until I was much older. Like I thought everyone. No, that's, it. that's fair though. Like, Cause there's a lot of Canadian things that I thought were like everywhere. And I thought everybody did it. And yeah. then I left Canada and like re- well, so many things I can name one of them. 
which is um, okay. I thought ketchup chips were all over the world. No, they're not. That's <laughs> I've had them before, but but or uh, type, type of porridge like grits? like a pota- no, no no oh grits is uh, grits it's ground corn yeah they say it in the movie that's all it is is ground okay. corn. Oh. It sounds very dry. Like uh, it's not okay. <laughs> um, but like, well, they so do they actually boil it for twenty minutes. Um, it depends on how you make it. They make instant grits that you can cook like yeah, way but quicker. But no southerner uses instant grits, as we learned. I use, them, uh. <laughs> you know, I don't care. Um, but but I, I I do love I do love that that uh, that whole grit scene in the beginning kind of pays off in the end, right? And, yeah. um, that is a nice red line there. A lot of this film kind of sets itself up to pay off later, which is quite nice because it's not in yeah, a it definitely does. it's not in a forced way where you're like making it very obvious to the audience. It's just jokingly like memorable because it's like I enjoyed that scene and it's like oh it's come back and it's like oh okay I like how this has come back. Yeah, it also it also shows how uh, Pesci's character grows throughout the film. Like he he becomes more. Like he he definitely becomes more. He definitely becomes the person he wants to be at the end. Um, so it right. is a great great underdog story that that progresses throughout the film, and uh, and there are like as you mentioned moments from the beginning that definitely pay off in, uh, in the in the end, which makes it much more uh, thrilling. Which is kind of the typical trope in these um, uh, court dramas. Um, I, I do. Oh, I was saying this. To, I was saying this to Janko before, Maggie. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry to cut you off, Janko, but you made me think no, of no it. Worries. If you ever want to recommend a film that's going to land with Janko, make it have a brotherly bond connection. Uh, it could be through friend or you know, like just something, something bros where they get to really connect. So like my Hold on. connection, and oh, it yeah. has to be an underdog. <laughs> an underdog uh, story helps. And if you can manage to get the like the gratuitous sex stuff and gore in there, I think you'd give him a new favorite. Honestly, you would. Oh man, you would. I'm on a mission now. It's the easiest. Jenko is the have... easiest person to recommend to because it, it, as long as it has those elements in it, he'll he'll love it. I mean, I think I'm pretty easy to recommend point. to. That's well, very fair of you to say. Yeah, you're easy to recommend to, but. We've had this conversation before. A lot of people would disagree with that. Yeah, I don't get why people get so weird about recommending me things because I'll watch anything. Because they want you to like it. Like, that's the, the that's the part. Is they want you to like it, and I yeah, think it's but, it's the way you rate things is what throws them off. Because you either don't like it or you like yeah. it, and they're scared that if you don't like it, you're just gonna give it. Because I don't know, they don't know you as well as we do. So yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, back to my cousin Vinny. Uh, this movie sucks. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I love, I love the fact that uh, that Joe Pesci is so different in this film than what he usually plays as. It, it is such a breath of fresh air for him uh, not to be typecast. Well, he is the typical Italian guy here, but he's not the, the typical Italian mafioso. Which make which makes his character so much better and shows shows really how a good actor he really is. Well, if we're being realistic here, if we're really being realistic here, for our age, we're born in ninety two. Obviously, the theme of the episode. 
if he was typecast to what we know, he's not robbing houses, Janko. <laughs> no, wait, what, what was the reference? Home Alone. Home Alone. Oh, Home Alone, Home Alone right, yeah. Janko. <laughs> yeah, true, that's fair. Did you forget he was in Home Alone? No, no, I, I just, yeah, I just... Oh, that was two years after, wasn't that? 94? Yeah, yeah, but that's the one thing I remember him from the most yeah. is Home Alone. Oh, you, you don't yeah. remember? I mean, me too. I remember watching that movie in theaters. and yeah, Maybe it's, it everything. was the first thing I can remember <laughs> him from. That's true. Uh, like, yeah. See? Yeah. I wasn't wrong. No, that's not wrong. And then I discovered Goodfellas and was like, wait, that's the guy from Home Alone. <laughs> He's saying Cocksucker a lot. <laughs> uh, and, uh, but, uh, but yeah, no, Fadi did a, a, a tremendously good job here. Um, I think the comedy is very funny here. Um, I especially love that scene, uh, like when he's meeting them in the prison, and uh, Ralph Macchio is sleeping, and the other guys talking to Joe Pesci, and it's all misunderstanding. Like he thinks that he's gonna like. Uh, uh, he owes him a favor, right? Make him yeah. his bitch. <laughs> oh, yeah, the miscommunication scene. And then what he yeah. says, like, what are you talking about? I'm not doing this for... I'm doing this for free. I'm, giving, I'm doing you a favor here. <laughs> I, uh, I thought that was really funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that scene as well. I think yeah. a lot of the comedy actually hits quite, quite well. Oh, it it's does. not trying to make you... Like, it's not trying to crack your ribs, but it's... It's trying to make you like chuckle here and there, and it succeeds yeah. at that pretty well. Um, I was gonna say, oh, go on. No, I was just gonna say, I forgot how funny that scene was with the public defender. How uh, <laughs> when he finally takes the stand, <laughs> and he he like stutters and <laughs> like I guess the the I don't know what you call that, but <laughs> that uh, that really cracked me up <laughs> and forgot how funny that scene was. But um, it's yeah. really. It's really easy. Also, if you want to recommend something to Jenko too, if you find what <laughs> Jenko's humor is, then you really got to think go in there because yeah. it's yeah, you're very true. Yeah. <laughs> no, I really love Marissa Tomei in this yeah, movie. I was just about to mention Marissa Tomei. Yeah, she's great. She, uh, I loved her. I love her film. hair in it with the little white, the little white streak. Mm. She she also won. Was very cute. She won an Oscar for uh, best uh, best actress. I uh, think. Oh, did she for this yeah, role? For this role, yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, no. See, I don't, I don't really know my Oscar history, so that's <laughs> and I like enough. Fred Gwynn in this too. Is, was he the the, the, the the judge or? Yeah. Are you familiar with other works of Fred Gwynn? I, honestly, no. Like he has a familiar face, but I just never knew what what his name was. So. Oh, he's <laughs> like a, he was I, Herman Munster in the Monsters, and ah, um, okay. he was in Pet Cemetery. He was the neighbor. Um, oh right. Yeah, he's been in a lot of stuff. I mean, you know, he's sadly no longer living, but no, no, right. When he was alive, he had a lot of like pretty iconic like roles. You know. Yeah, I mean, he, he works as a great adversary for. Uh, Joe Pesci's character, um, and yeah, he has a lot of. Did you say Utes? <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's a good moment. <laughs> well, one thing that's very abundant to me is that I think out of all of the films that are listed, excluding Maggie's, uh, so I guess just between yours and mine, this is definitely the most prominent '90s film. I think not in general, like not uh, taking the cake for everything, but it is. 
mm. 90s ideals, I guess, when it's growing up uh, yeah. with that sort of mentality. Because think about it. Joe Pesci comes to town. He's a complete outsider. No one takes him seriously. Uh, mm-hmm. But he has faith in who he is. And yeah. nowadays, if you make a thing like that, you make it about how a character grows, which you're right. He grows a bit. But that's not really what happens here. More what happens in this My Cousin Vinny is Joe Pesci comes to town, says he's right. He's stubborn as heck, doesn't really change. Like there's multiple times where he gets thrown in jail because he just refuses. Right. Well, yeah, this fair. movie is the 90s where I don't care attitude and my personality is fine. There's nothing wrong with the way I am. And in the end, really, Joe Pesci kind of proves that. You know, he he knows who he is. He does grow in a sense, like career-wise, but personality-wise, I think it stays exactly the same. Yeah. He doesn't ever yeah. really change. I think yeah, I yeah. think maybe he just learns to conduct would... himself in a much more professional manner. I think so too. Yeah. I mean, he does. It 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 does say that. Uh... It, I don't he think it changes him as a person, but I think in the court he just no, it doesn't change him as a person. More professionally, yeah. I mean, he did say that I'll learn this as I go, and he kind of yeah. does. I mean, I, I like I yeah. do like the the progressive arc of like f- throughout the end of the film. You notice that he does talk more legal terms, like he uses more appropriate terms for uh, the court and right. I, I do like that growth uh, for his But character. I think that's because Marissa well, Tomei read the book and had conversations yeah. with him about yeah. how Oops. he should be conducting himself and the proper protocol and everything. Not necessarily that he knew it, but, that's, but that she that's, helped him. Yeah. But that's my whole point with this is that it's very 90s. It's like, it's very 90s of like, I'm, my, my personality is fine. There's nothing wrong with it. I might be a bit crass. I might be a bit of like in your face, but just, hey, that's me and get used to it. And it's like that, putting that in a Southern place where it's like, there is a sort of etiquette that you need to have, um, maybe in certain aspects. It's, yeah, in the South, we're very, um, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. You know, mm-hmm. no, sir. We're very, um, I don't want to say formal, but polite, overly polite, maybe. It makes um, me wonder, though, if this film would have done as well if it was made earlier or if they just made it at the exact right time where it's like this is going to resonate with more people than just maybe like people from uh, New York, you know, because that was yeah. it was just a lot of what we were kind of growing up with at that time and i know for a fact like janko and i are both from the generation of i don't care and that's that's what it was is we were from the i don't care generation we just didn't care about anything what generation would that make me from i don't know you're along the same lines really but uh yeah yeah you would be along the same lines because their childhoods connect yeah but i yeah but yeah, that's what I wanted to say about my cousin Vinny is that, that little underlining of like right time at the right place. Uh Yeah. But there were a lot of movies in the early 90s that took place in very like southerly kind of regions. Like Forrest Gump would be another example. Yeah, but Forrest Gump um, was a southerner in the south. Well, yeah, but he still traveled around the world with yeah. his southernisms, does you know, like and it. across the country. But I mean, it, it it hasn't aged well, Forrest Gump. No, it hasn't. But well, I still I, like I, it. I do <laughs> think that a lot of '90s films just 
take place in the south. Like, um, yeah. Yeah. Like bridges Heart. over Madison County would be another yeah. one. Oh yeah, that's Angel a, Heart takes place in New Orleans. That's a, that's a very great, great film. But I, I get really, I get really particular about movies that take place in Louisiana, though. Like very, I'm very picky with them. Um, like if you want to see me really criticize a movie hardcore, show me a movie that takes place in Louisiana that isn't very Louisiana accurate, <laughs> and you will hear me bitch and complain. The last film I watched that was based in the South was A Time to Kill. With Steven Seagal? I think that was the last one I watched. No. No. <laughs> With uh, Sandra Bullock, Samuel Jackson. Oh, okay. And <laughs> yeah. I'm, okay. I'm sorry. That's, that's what, what I was thinking. Like a, yeah. a Steven Seagal title above the law. <laughs> yeah, hard to kill. It does. It almost sounds like yeah. a Jean Claude Van Damme title, yeah. too. I could, I could like, say that. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I don't, I don't have too much to say about my cousin's mini because it is a good film. I don't. Oh, actually, I I want to talk about the rating. It's rated R, but I kind of felt like I could have had this on with my five year old son in the room, and there wouldn't really be anything I'd be worried about. Well, it was because of the language. Yeah, I there's an f bomb dropped. Uh, there's a couple of other things. They're a little more lenient on language now. I think I think you're allowed like one f bomb in a PG thirteen yeah. movie now, but like back then that was yeah, like a no go. Yeah. Like I thought it was going to be a bit more raunchy. In all. In all honesty, because I know I knew nothing about the film. Uh, every time I looked at the poster, I always thought it was um, Joe Pesci's character, like a, a play or not a play, but um, an imagery expression of like what Joe Pesci's character is like. He's just always coming in and out of court because he's like this troubled person. Like, look at him. I don't. You don't look at the poster and go, "Oh, that guy's a lawyer." Like, I just thought. I just thought he was like they were just trying to show, like, "Oh, well, this guy is just coming and going from." I have no idea. I didn't know this was a court thing. I did not know. Because oftentimes I love to go in completely blind. I don't read anything. Um, if I can get away with not reading or watching the trailer, I usually do that. So but That's, that's kind of a nice surprise too, though. Like you, you get like the, you get like the wise guy Italian angle and then make a, a court drama out of this from like, uh, like, like the typical court drama films, like 12 Angry Men, uh, 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 and justice for all, etc. And uh, that—that's the hook here. Is you cast an Italian guy who is very confident and give it the the, the mobster angle or the the wise guy angle, and it works in this kind in this, in this sense. I don't really have much else to say, just for the simple fact that it's like it's one of those films where you can't really go around dissecting every scene because then it just takes away yeah, from. Yeah, it kind of does what it is you know you right. can talk about it, what it is over it's just a yeah it really comedy. is yeah. that's all it really is it's not trying to be no than that. which is great it, uh i don't know much about jonathan lynn oh make clue that's why i yeah. liked it so much <laughs> <laughs> but uh oh yeah that, that's right we did talk about uh previously but uh yeah. that was the first episode <laughs> that's true but uh it's true uh what was uh uh, yeah, no, I I just find the the last twenty minutes or so in this film is very satisfying, and um, that's like the typical court drama uh, ending where it's like, yes, we got this, we won this, and uh, it's so thrilling, and uh, like when he finally finally wins over the judge, uh, when he finally like 
shows the confidence in the court uh, is is like the the big prize here for for Pesci, and, and I, I I like that the the, the underdog wins. <laughs> um, yeah. But, uh, and yeah. I like that Mr. Miyagi makes a guest appearance, like just as a, a nod to the Karate Kid. He's in the court. Oh, I did not notice that <laughs> at all. <laughs> did you not, Janko? I did not, no. Uh, okay. I didn't either. Well, oh, we should move on to reviews either. before you guys figure out that I just made that shit up. So um, <laughs> I'm going to give this... Uh... <laughs> Let's see here. <laughs> <laughs> I'd probably give uh, I'd give it a four stars, four solid stars. Nice. That was very, yeah, that's, I, I appreciate that. <laughs> okay. Um, originally, I did give it four and a half stars, um, but having rewatched it now and the amounts of chuckles it gave me, uh, I'm giving the full five stars. It's 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 a very enjoyable film, and I can see myself enjoying this many times more, and. Uh, just a lot of great lines to take from this and uh, just the the, chem- the the chemistry works together both with Marisa Tomei and Joe Pesci and also the Joe Pesci and the judge uh, yeah and uh, all all around great film for me it is uh 3.5 stars um and i know i've like that's uh, that's kind of like my, yeah, it's good. I like this movie. It's okay. You know, kind of rating. Um, for me, it's nothing like mind blowing or amazing, but I enjoy it. I have fun with it. I think I would have liked to see uh, Joe Pesci's character get knocked down a bit harder and for him to like have realization moments of like, maybe, you know, maybe I like, I can't be this Brooklyn guy everywhere I go, or maybe I got to have a bit more of a personality change to myself. Like I can't just base everything off of the people around me. Like, I think if the film had a bit of that, I gave it a bit more heart, uh, with the, with the comedy, uh, it might've hit a bit harder, but that's, that's honestly me just going like, Oh, this might've worked better. But to be honest, like I said, it's, yeah, no, it's good. It's a good film. Yeah. So, all right. Well, let's talk about 1992's Hard Boiled by John Woo. Uh, So to start it off, we'll do a brief summary of the film like we always do. A cop who loses his partner in a shootout with a gun... Uh, with gun smugglers goes on a mission to catch them. In order to get closer to the leaders of the ring, he joins forces with the undercover cop who is working as a gangster hitman. They use all means of excessive force to find them. Um, this, it was hard for me to choose a film from 1992 that I liked the most, but when I saw Hard Boiled was on the list, I was like, I think this is my obvious choice. I really like this film. It was recommended to me actually through uh, roulette. Um, And they hit the nail dead on the head. Cause I like a lot of this. Like there's a lot of things in this film that are just like, ah, it's it's just so well done. Um, I'm not going to say it's perfect by any means, but it, it's pretty great. And I mean, look at the, look at the poster. Like how bad is that guy's holding a baby? That's pretty (laughs) badass. But and a gun. And a gun. <laughs> but it, this, this film does have a 
significance for as as a blueprint for the type of action films we have today i think and influence in a lot of other media that uh, developed from this yeah uh, i mean you could argue that john Woo's had that influence in so many things just as a director yeah. in general i mean matrix and uh... but um what did so this was a first for you, Maggie, and for yeah. you, Janko, you've seen this before? I've seen it before, yeah, but but many, many ages before, so... It, I, it... Yeah, I had never seen it. I didn't even... I, I had never even heard of it, to be honest, ah. um, until you picked it. Okay. And I didn't, I didn't read anything about it. I didn't watch a trailer. I didn't... So I went in, like, 100% totally blind. Just the way I do um, it. I'm happy, happy to hear that. <laughs> And um, at first I was like, okay, this is just going to be like a shoot 'em up movie. And I got really confused and a little concerned at this weird bird cafe at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I, I still don't understand it, by the way. That doesn't yeah. seem sanitary. Like no. At, at like all. And was that it? Yeah. <laughs> to, go, just to, to go into the restaurant. It's like <laughs> entry, entry only with bird and with cage. With bird, yeah. Um, but I um I was like, okay, this is just going to be a shoot 'em up movie. And it kind of lost my attention a little bit until Anthony Wong popped up because I really, really love Anthony Wong. Like, um, you know how I'm, well, I guess listeners will know this now. I'm really obsessed with, like, James Spader. Um, and I've seen every single movie of his, like, not even exaggerate. I've seen every single one. Um... There are certain actors whose filmography that I am actively working on, like, watching all of their films. And Anthony Wong is actually one of them. Um, well, he does a really good most, job as the sergeant in this film. He's the villain. He's not the sergeant. Oh, right. Sorry. I'm confusing him with the other guy. Does that make me... Mm. Oh, whatever. Um, mm. <laughs> I don't think it does. But yeah, the, the villain is... Yes. The villain is great. It's very archetypical. He always plays really good villains. Like, that is, I think, what he's known for playing. Um, most of the movies of him that I've seen, or ones that he's been in, uh, save for maybe a, a couple of them, they're always Cat 3 Hong Kong movies. Oh. And he always plays the villain. Wait, was he also so in like, uh, uh, the Ebola Syndrome? Yes, he was the lead in Ebola Syndrome. Oh, that's he right. That's the... where I recognize him from, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, so I've seen, like, the Ebola syndrome, and I think it was the untold story, and then Brother of Darkness, and, like, so most of what I've seen him in is, like, Cat 3 nastiness, and he always plays those really well, like, he does villains very good. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, so once he popped up, I was like, okay, I'm all in this now, like, <laughs> I am here for the ride. <laughs> so, I, I do, but yeah. I do like that. He doesn't play it ham right at the get-go. Like, there is some... He, he never really does. Yeah. Like, he, he plays villains very straight. Even in, like, the Ebola Syndrome, he plays it really straight. Oh, yeah, and that does. is a very fucked up movie. <laughs> yeah, and he I... does a lot of really messed up shit. That was a very but fucked up movie. But he plays it completely straight. Um, and he does that in, like, every role I've seen him in, aside for... The first movie I actually saw him in was a Japanese movie. It wasn't um, a movie from Hong Kong, 
my husband is kind of a weeb, and um, one of his favorite like mangas or animes is called Initial D, and they made a live-action movie, and Anthony Wong is in that movie. And that was the first thing I ever saw him in, and I was like, oh, well, I gotta watch all his movies now, because I think he's hot, so... <laughs> But then I started seeing like more of the types of movies he was in. I'm like, oh my, what am I getting into? Um, but yeah, there's my little. Sorry to go off about Anthony Wong for a little bit. No, that's now. fine. That's completely fine. <laughs> I'm sorry that I misidentified him. You know what it was? Is I was looking at uh, when you said his name, I clicked on his uh, profile, like letterbox profile. And if you look at his current photo, I just immediately thought, oh, that was the sergeant guy. I don't know why. Uh, probably because he's pretty old now. Balder. At this point. Yeah, old. Yeah. <laughs> and he and was I, yeah, very young I, in 92. Yeah, well, I wouldn't say very young, but he was young, you know, considerably Definitely younger. a lot younger. Yeah. But no, he plays a really good villain. I, I take away a lot from this film. Um, there's just good ways of like how you do action. There's super creative, like, and I'm, I'm talking about, there's a lot of things you could appreciate with this film, just within writing and within like, um, setup and payoff. Uh, but if we just focus on the action, like the, the whole scene in the weird bird cafe, like all of that is really cool. I love, I will always get excited seeing, uh, Chow Yun Fat, slide down the rails and shoot all the guys wow. and run down the stairs <laughs> at the same cool time. Yeah, that I was pretty cool. Friggin' love that scene. And um, everything in that warehouse uh, when they first have their encounter between oh, yeah. the uh, undercover and the uh, actual cop, That's that the whole thing is great. There's a lot of motorcycle stuff that happens in there that's really great. Yeah. But it but it's also what what makes it work too is there's like constant motions there's like constant motion in these action sequences where it's not a single like moment where like the hero or the bad guy stands still they yes. always on the move and they need to duck cover and they they also like they take damage like they're, they're not bulletproof like the, the typical action hero like they they actually do get hurt which is nice to see because there is you get a sense of real danger in these uh, gunfights. a vulnerability like anyone could die yeah yeah um and the same thing with like just how action is done or how action is made it's not it's not as easy as people probably think like doing an action film and getting your camera set up and making sure like to edit it properly so it's coherent to the audience that's it's a hard task to do. And even though you get a lot of jumps with what you're seeing and you get blimp, like a, a glimpse of like, sorry, not a glimpse, a glimpse of, um, of Chow Yun-Fat, like jumping over that motorcycle. I'm just thinking of this scene particularly. And then he's falling forward with the shotgun. He pumps it up, takes a shot of the one motorcycle that has its underbelly flipped up. Big explosion. Like, you got to line that up correctly so that when you're watching that, it runs smooth. Because trust me, there's a lot of action films out there. You watch it and it's just a confusing, dizzying mess. But mm -hmm. this is straightforward. It's linear and you can enjoy it for what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's so satisfying to see him slide with that, uh, with that uh, moped or whatever it is. And he just... just he just mails them down with the submachine gun, like uh, like a 
a sideways quick draw. Uh, just uh, with with that that silent henchman guy. <clears throat> and then later, and then the. What? I was about to say, can I jump to a scene that I really enjoyed? It's like at the very end, so yeah. it's kind yeah. of like spoiler. You know, ah, that's fine. It's um, ninety two, so <laughs> so <laughs> they, they had thirty years, thirty thirty one years. Yeah, so I really like the scene where Anthony Wong is like holding the hostage at the end of the movie. Oh yeah, and um, he gets fulcied in the face with the gun, basically. That's right. Um, yeah. <laughs> whenever I I see that, I get really excited, and that's that's what we in my home call getting fulcied. Like when something like penetrates somebody's eye, it's getting fulcied. Yeah, so, that's what. Uh, that's something that Mac always enjoys. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really. But hate I really eye liked stuff, that but... scene a lot. Like I really liked the practical, like shooting in the eye and the blood spraying out of her. I thought it was really cool. I, uh, I must I must preference that we had a lot to watch to get ready for these episodes and I really thought I was going to make it with hard boiled. I got to an hour 20 mark and unfortunately I couldn't finish the film. Um I'll probably watch the rest tonight. I have seen the film before so no one could give me shit about that but yeah, I can't remember exactly how it ends but I still know Roughly, like what I, I'm pretty positive I've actually written a review for this film before. So, you did, you, yeah. you wrote a kind of lengthy one. Oh, did I? Okay, I'm yeah. reviewing it twice then. <laughs> but you yeah. quoted it and everything, you quoted the movie, you wrote a big, big thing. I read it. Oh, thank you, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I like this film quite a bit. So, but uh, yeah, I, I love, I love the I appreciate the way this film progresses. Uh, like, you have two characters, one. Like the main character, the main character, Detective Tequila, and you also have the the the, the, the second character is this undercover agent mm-hmm. uh, who's also an ex. He's also a triad. Right? I get, well, yeah, he's undercover. Uh, you know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. But he he's been at this job for a long. time. I think time. they said like, like five years talked. or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, and he even talked with his chief about uh, not losing his his. Uh, like what's the expression not losing his own humanity mm-hmm. like he, he yeah but I, I love the way how they bond throughout the film and like they have this sort of friendship rivalry rivalry like they they don't trust each other but they still need each other's help to to get this um to get this case solved right and the way they bond in that in that hospital morgue is a great great satisfying moment and then you and then it builds up to that whole hospital shootout where they're finally teaming up, but they're still in doubts of each other. And, uh, and uh, thus begins like the long takes of the hallways with the shootouts and uh, the, the, the incredible great gun, gun choreography. It, uh, it is a good good way this film progresses, I think. Uh, I'd, uh, I'd agree with that. I... Th- Sorry, I was just reading over my review. I couldn't remember what I said. <laughs> but um I yeah, I think that the biggest takeaway that you can have with this film is it starts off with a lot of action and I think it's kind of like what Maggie sort of said in a in a sense is like, well, is this just 
action fest. Like it doesn't really mean anything. It's just guns blazing until the very end without really much thought. Um, but you get a really coherent and very intricate story with who's playing on what side, uh, mm-hmm. who's been lost, and uh, as well as sort of the the past connections that we don't really get to see because a lot of films would take the time to give you like a backstory, a backstory or something like that. But we you kind of have to make it up as it goes along. But it's not, they give you enough puzzle uh puzzle pieces to put it all together you know um right yeah and it's it's not treating the audience as fools which some modern movies uh, unfortunately definitely they do do that like they just treat you like you're a baby and i don't like that i like the fact that i get the i get to like every time i watch this maybe i miss something but it didn't take away from my first viewing of the film like i i could put this piece together with that piece and you know, it's like, oh, he, he's got more of this deeper connection with this character than I ri- initially thought, or um, or uh, they're not as friendly as they seemed uh, to begin with, or just something like that. And that's, it's a really good way of writing. I'm not sure if John Woo wrote this himself, um, but I'd have to check that out, actually. I'm I'm looking right now too. Oh, he's part. He's credited as a writer. So yeah, all right. Three people wrote it. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't really have too much more to say about the film. Unfortunately, I kind of wanted to say a lot more, but uh, as Maggie pointed out, I wrote a really good review. So there we go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you did. But I, I like the um, <clears throat> I like the henchman. Uh, like the. The, the side character who is kind of like the rival for uh for the undercover cop um like he starts off as like the silent henchman uh like that scene when he tips his cigarette into like the the burning fire from the <clears throat> from the shootout um and also like later on in the hospital you learn that he actually has some honor because he is not in the same he does not agree with uh with what the uh, what johnny wants to do in this hospital mm. and like murdering innocent yep. people yeah and like he he shows definitely way more honor within this lifestyle and and like there's this moment where they almost duel uh which which i uh, much appreciated yeah and it's it's a good way of setting up those personality traits and characters. Don't get them to tell you what they are. Like, don't make them say, "Well, I'm a, I'm a, I'm just, I'm using this as an example." Don't get your character to say, "Oh, I'm a vegetarian." Just when there's a plate of food out, just make them only eat veg, like the the vegetable options. Yeah, context clues are key, and making those sort of statements of like, you see his hesitation, and you you see it before. He actually gets to that point. He he has trouble. And the thing is with this film is he's set up as the most, he is the hardest character. Like you think the cop's hard boiled. No, this guy is yeah. like freaking o- overdone. But, <laughs> like, and you get that clue from like him sticking his whole head into a fire to light his cigarette. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's a cool scene. <laughs> moment. But um, it's just, I, I uh, when I get films that I like, I know I do this. I gush about it, and I I kind of rumble, ramble, not rumble, ramble over the same 
things over and over again, but it's hard not to because it's just when you can finally appreciate something like this so strongly, you kind of, every time you talk about it, you, you kind of realize more that you like about it. And um, this film does that to me. And it's a good feeling, so. But uh, do you do you think, like, if you look at John Wick, uh, do you think that film would have been if it wasn't for Hard Boiled? Or, no. Like, no. No. Like, yeah. So that, that film definitely has a lot of uh, influence from, from Hard Boiled. <laughs> As But, did also the Matrix, obviously, and uh, like video games such as Max Payne. Here's a here's a yeah, you're right. Here's a follow up question to the um, John Wick thing. Do you think if this movie <laughs> actually followed how many rounds are in a gun <laughs> and used <laughs> no, that? No, no. It, it, uh, do, do you no, think it'd be better if they the did only, that? The only time they run out of bullets is when the plot needs them to. This is yeah. yeah, when the scenes. plot needs them yeah. to. That's <laughs> yeah. great watching him shoot that pistol and just like 50 shots in, he didn't have to reload yet. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Yeah. Uh, yeah anything I else feel, you guys want to add? No, I, I feel like... Yeah, I've, I've gone through it. Unless you want to hear sure. me talk about Anthony Wong more, I think, I think we're good. <laughs> All right, well, we'll go over our quick... quick quick snips uh and the review or sorry ratings mm -hmm. uh, before we go on to that this, this is something we could cut out if you want but i was curious what did your husband think of hard-boiled because you said he you didn't watched watch this with it me. with me he got a ps5 oh, so I thought he, was he cool. um he's been immersed in that um yeah so i watched it alone because he was playing um dead by dawn or dead by daylight or whatever i don't know so He's been very well, much in the PS5. I'm disappointed. Me too. <laughs> <But> he <laughs> knew what it was, because I was like, do you want to watch Hard Boiled? And he was like, the John Woo movie? And I'm like, yeah, I think. Well, maybe you've seen it before. He hasn't. He knows about it, but he's never seen it. Okay. Um, yeah, so, Janka, let's start with you. Oh, uh... Yeah, I'll give it a five. I don't care. I um, I love it very much. It was the the enjoyment was high when I rewatched this, and just uh, the shootouts are brilliant, and the long takes and all the cuts and where it 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 seems like it's one singular take, especially in the hospital and uh, some moments in the warehouse. It's just so very very well filmed and. Um, This is a film where the cinematography has to be complimented. Mm -hmm. And uh, I am also a bit more lenient nowadays on five-star films, uh, especially if they give me a sort of huge impact feeling. So this definitely deserves that. Um, so definitely a five-star with with the great honor. I, um, I guess I'll go. I'll save you from last, Maggie, if that's all right. Okay. Um, see, initially I had this marked as a 4.5. And the reason being, and the only reason, is because I found that once it started to set up more of the hospital plot, like everything started getting moving in the hospital, right? I do find that it shifts a bit, almost tonally and in a pacing sense. Not majorly, kind of but it's noticeable. 
um, it kind of slows down a bit. It gives you more time to set a, a bigger scene up. And I understand that that's a thing that has to happen, but it's so it's noticeable because it's John Woo's hard boiled and you're getting basically nothing but like constant. Here we go. Here's action. Um, these guys are always moving. Yeah, it kind of becomes, it kind of becomes diehard. Uh, when they're finally, the it does, it, it changes a bit because even location wise, you're always a somewhat different at the, at the first half of that film, it's always a different location. And then when you get to the hospital, it just stays there. And not that there's anything wrong with that, you just notice it. And I think I would have liked it not to have been as much of that. I don't know. A part of me wants to just give in and give it five stars, which I think I'm actually going to do because I love this film so much. But if I had to gripe with anything about this film, it would be that. And it, it's what had previously kept it on a 4.5. Um, also, I want to say that any film that has a random scene of our hero just fishing, yeah, pretty good in my books. <laughs> Why is he fishing? No reason. It's because he's a man. Yep. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I just enjoy that. I, I enjoy fishing. So uh, every every time I see that scene, I'm just like, yeah, that's what I'd like to do too. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I'll get, I'll, Go ahead. I, I've made the statement in the past that if it's ever a 4.5 and I come back to it, it's automatically going to get a five-star rating. And mm. I'm keeping up to that word. It's getting its five-star rating. Nice. Yeah. So. Um, for me, I actually gave it five stars as well. Wow. Um, wow. Because I really like goofy action stuff. Like, no, I actually really like... Um, ridiculous action movies like this. Um, it's it's just I don't know. They keep me really entertained. Um, so if it's Squib City, I'll probably like it. Um, which it is. So yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. It's very much, very much like that. I wonder, wonder uh, what what uh, the amounts of time it would take if someone did a mistake and they had to film it all. oh my god yeah okay so uh the movie i selected for my birthday um is true stories from 1986 i'm the the one the one person not born in 92 on the on the podcast um directed <laughs> by david Bryan, um and the description is let me let me listen real quick. You can edit this part, but let me listen to how they say it again real quick. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. A small but growing Texas town filled with strange and musical characters celebrates its sesquicentennial and converge on a local parade and talent show. Um, hey, you know, anyone listening, don't make fun of me because yeah. I, I bet you you go look at that word. You can't say it either. Yeah. So. Try saying it five times fast. <laughs> um, um, I have seen this movie many, many times. And the first time I saw it, I think, was probably around maybe 2009. Um, mm. 2009, 2010. Um, and I'm able to kind of base that off of, you know, the friends I was hanging around at the time. Um but uh, 
so basically David Bryan goes to this town where they're having this sesquicentennial and um, he just talks to a host of different quirky characters from around the town of um, Virgil, Texas, I believe is what it was. Um, and the characters in the town are played by, you know, actors such as like John Goodman, um, Spalding Gray, Swoosie Kurtz. That's an interesting name. Um, but my favorite thing, and I absolutely love this in movies, and I don't think it happens enough anymore, is I love movies that are narrated. And this movie, David Bryan nails his narration. It's just utter perfection. Um, because not only is he, like, narrating the, the movie, but he's interacting within the film while he's narrating the movie. Um... And for me, it's just absolutely brilliant. Um, and then John Goodman's quest for love is very fantastic. Um, and well, one of the things that works... Sorry to cut you off, Maggie. But no, one fine. of the things that works with um, David uh, Bryan... Is that how you say his last name? Mm-hmm. Yeah. David Bryan being the narrator is... Because oftentimes in a movie, if you have a narrator, it sucks. Um, depending on how it's done. But David is just a character that has no purpose other than to be basically a vessel for the audience. We right. are David Bryan, and he gets to add his own commentaries, which is fine because he's a character like anyone else. He gets to um, share his thoughts and feelings, but we don't know why he's there. We don't know who he is. He's just is. And that's what make, makes it an effective narrator is because... This character has no other purpose, um, so why not just let him observe at the same time we are and make his comments? But if you have a narrator who is just like, I'm the lead character and this is my story, let me explain every single thing that I'm thinking, not going to work because right. it's like, well... But he doesn't do that. He's just... He just is. He's just there. Yeah, he's he is and he's just there. And I mean, there's a bunch of quotes that really just emphasize that it's like he's just sort of this guy that's kind of describing the same things as uh as you are like uh the, the one quote he says um i have something to say about the difference between america and european cities but i forgot right. what it was I, yeah. I have it written down somewhere at home and it's just it's just it's like yeah i get it it's it's the whole thing of the the film is just this big like looking glass right and we're, we're right. all looking in mm -hmm. um sorry <laughs> it's okay um another thing i like in this movie is and y'all probably assumed it was voodoo right uh oh no not necessarily because I... it was very much what's known as hoodoo um which is kind of like if you're comparing, like, say, Catholicism to, like, being a Presbyterian or, like, Methodist or something. Yeah. It would be, like, voodoo and then there's hoodoo. And you know it's hoodoo because they were using um, Catholic imagery in there as well. Like, the Virgin Mary, yeah. uh, Catholic saints, stuff like that. That's, that's the prime indicator that it's 
hoodoo and not voodoo because voodoo has its own you know separate kind of deities where hoodoo uses a lot of catholic imagery and saints in it um so it's just i don't know if if that even like stood out to y'all but to me that always stands out whenever i watch it um and i think it's because of the whole louisiana thing and how voodoo is such like a thing like at least historically with like marie laveau and everything down here to be fair i didn't really think about it i think maybe that's one of those things where it's because jenko and i have this conversation sometimes uh i must preference that we jenko and i watched this film together uh just happened to work out that we we're basically going to watch it at the same time we're like well let's just watch it together um there's films out there that Janko and I have watched where they are sort of along the same lines as true stories, where it's kind of an ode to America, whether it be bad or good. And this is that film too, but it's different when you're not in America. Sometimes things that they say or things that they have like a sort of love letter to write about fall a little flat to us because it's like well i can appreciate it i can understand it but maybe it doesn't resonate with us as much um and that might have been something that we just didn't even think i just saw it like i just thought maybe it's just a little neat little quirk of this film that that's in there i didn't even think about what it was because it's just it's true stories i thought maybe it's just its own thing you know right so yeah i, I didn't really think about it Oh, well, see, that jumps out at me. But again, like I said, it's being from Louisiana. There's yeah. the whole interest in history of voodoo here. So whenever I see stuff like that in films, I really pick up on it, like, a lot. Um, um, yeah. Um, then there are so many lines in the movie that I absolutely love. And I think one of my favorite ones is when you see John Goodman's like dating video, um, when they show that, when the woman is like laying in bed and they're wa she's like watching TV and she sees his basically like dating video commercial ad like call eight four four wife you know like interested callers only, but my favorite thing he says in that whole one is like I keep a very consistent panda bear shape. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> 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 he's very he's very proud of uh his god made him. shape yeah, yeah. <laughs> but his character is so lovable in that movie like you really want him to find love like when you're watching the movie like you hope like yes he needs to find somebody because he seems like a very genuine character yeah and then it all concludes with his giant uh on show uh, country song which is uh one of the things i really like about this film is i i love the talking heads it's like one of my favorite bands and um i love that even though some of the music is in the well i'm okay i pre preference this a little bit better the is it's filled with talking heads music but it's not all performed by the talking heads it's reinterpreted which is a hard thing for a band to do um yeah, it is it's hard for you to take your own song and put it into a different style with a different singer and like, cause I, I have to imagine that David is still the one who did it all and yeah. doing that yeah. is impressive uh, by itself. But 
I like that we got to get the country version of that song. I like that we got to get the sort of um, uh, Latino version of that uh, the other song, and it it was interesting um, and enjoyable at the same time. Now, I, I think they actually have like multiple albums for this movie. Um, I think there was a release. Um, I think it may have been called like songs from i could be wrong because this is again all off of memory um songs from true stories i think was called and it was like the songs from the movie but i also think he released an album called true stories as well where it was actually him playing all the songs okay or singing performing all of them um and i i do know that when this movie came out it was it was a flop like it didn't do well and i think it's one of those movies that over time just kind of garnered like became a cult yeah classic. it just kind of garnered like a cult yeah. following and you know people enjoy it now well it goes to show the version that janko and i watched is from criterion so you know yeah that, so, that speaks so for itself yeah. right um, um yeah i I wasn't sure what to make of this because I, well, I've already said it before. I go in blind, but I've known, like, I know who David Bryan is, obviously, and I know who the sort of style he would make in a film. And I knew that it was quite, like, just along the same lines of his uh, music. It's just quirky. sort of a quirky, yeah, and uh, a little bit of subtle undertones of his life and uh, where he grew up. And what he makes of like consumerism and uh, the American way, um, that uh, that wasn't surprising to me in this film. Uh, and if anything, it, it's also kind of interesting that he really thinks about this stuff. You know, like to so much yeah. so to sing about it all the time, but also to even make a movie about it. Um, mm -hmm. And I think those quotes that you get from him as the narrator just kind of. Without them, the movie wouldn't be as effective, I think, because yeah, he it, really makes the movie. Just... It's almost like you're getting a commentary of like why he started making this scene or why he made this next scene that you're going to see, you know? Um, I, I really wish he would have directed more films, to be completely yeah. honest. Like, I would have liked to have seen more from him um, because I think this movie is so good. It's kind of like. I wonder if he didn't make any more because it bombed so badly when it came out. I'd have to imagine um, that's the reason. Is this the only thing he made? Um, he did. He else? did a, a concert video in the early '80s. He's done um, a documentary as well uh, that came out in 2000. Okay. What does it say here? 2000. Oh crap! I had it up. Uh, yeah, he did a um, 2004. He didn't. He didn't direct it, but he, he it was directed by Jonathan Demme, but he was in something called Stop Making Sense. Oh, that's the concert film. A concert uh, film. Yeah. That's yeah. a great, like, it's the ideal concert film to watch. Everybody, even if you don't like the Talking Heads, you should just watch that concert film. It's so well done. Um, it's absolutely amazing. Uh... It's hard to talk about true stories. Like I, I like the film a lot, and <laughs> it's just it's so much of a feeling movie. You know what I mean? Like it's just a mood movie. Yeah. Um. Why? Why is it your choice, though? I I, I wanted to ask you that. 
Um, because it's like a comfort movie for me. So, um, I was looking, I, I pulled up my letterbox and I pulled up like 1986, right? Because I wanted it to be something that I remembered enough to have rated or logged on letterbox. Um, and, um, I can tell you exactly how many came up for me from, from 86 and why that decision was made. Um, so I only had 99 films that were released in 86 on my watch list. And then I kind of went through and was like, okay, well, I could pick, you know, like The Fly or Henry or, you know, I could have gone the horror route. Mm -hmm. But I really wanted to pick a movie that was more of like a comfort film that has extreme rewatchability for me. Mm -hmm. And for me, that was True Stories. Um, I'm just glad I had the excuse to finally watch it. It's always been one that I've wanted to watch for a long time, so I'm glad that the this choice made me go, okay, well, now it's time for me to actually get it underway. Yeah, the other the other runner for me was actually Little Shop of Horrors. Uh, it's probably what I would have picked, to be honest. But <laughs> um, Because I've been a fan of that movie since I was a child. I was like completely obsessed with that movie when I was a kid, yeah. but... I found as I've gotten older, I don't enjoy it as much when I was younger. Oh, really? I love that film. Um, but uh, watch. I mean, you I would, still you love it. You would have grown but... up with the really shitty ending, though. That's the thing. That's the end. Yeah, I grew up with that ending. I didn't grow up with the, great the, ending. the plants yeah. destroy the whole town yeah. one. Yeah. Um, but no, like, I mean, when I say I was obsessed with that movie, I had like, as a kid, I had like film books about that movie. I used to like draw the costumes and try to like design them, like recreate them or whatever. I knew all the songs. I got in trouble at school for telling a kid I was going to bust his balls. <laughs> like, I mean, I loved that movie. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but I didn't, I didn't pick that one because that was more like, you know, like kid me and, you know, true stories is more like a favorite of adult me. I don't know if that makes, I hope that makes sense. That makes sense. Do you find that the Americanisms inside of this movie are relatable? I do. Um, a lot of my family, I mean, I live in Louisiana. I was actually born in Texas. Um, and I have family that lives in Texas. So I'm familiar with a lot of Texas isms and Louisiana isms and Southern isms. So it, it very much, sticks out to me more um probably than it would to y'all yeah um like certain things um but i just i really love it it's just like i said it's like a comfort movie for me and it's one that i'll put on like if i'm really sad i'm like it's uh it's true stories time because it just gives me like a warm fuzzy feeling like yeah, like when she's singing for the talent show, I absolutely love that song. Um, I uh, just, and then the oh, sorry, I was just gonna say one of my favorite scenes is the baby parade. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's so like down here we have parades for like everything. Like I don't know how often y'all have parades, but like if there can be a parade for something, we're gonna have it here. I think, like uh, the parade situation in New Zealand is actually very similar to Canada. Have like a 
like a Christmas parade. That's basically it. Uh, okay, well, we have Mardi Gras. We have St. Patrick's Day. We have a Halloween parade. Oh, I would We've love had that Christmas Halloween ones. That'd be great. Yeah, the Halloween the Halloween one is actually I've actually walked in it before down here. Um because uh, I used to work in a haunted house and they were one of the sponsors and so I I've, I've been in that parade. Um like in costume and everything. Um but yeah, if you can have a parade here, there's going to be a parade. Like like we have festivals like all over the state. We have things like like where my grandma lives, there's a shrimp and petroleum festival. They have a parade for shrimp and pe- shrimp and petroleum. Like, just think about that. Do they throw shrimp? Like, yeah, that's, that's wild. So it's like whatever the main <laughs> export from that town is is what the festival is going to be. So there's like a strawberry festival. There's, I mean, there's so many, and there's always parades with them. So for. Yeah, so it just makes sense to me, oh, a parade. And they're always like that. They're not like huge ones with giant floats all the time. It'll just be like Shriners and Majorettes and bands, you know, and that'll be it, Mm. you know. So that's just something that I've grown up around. Like the house I grew up in was on a parade route. (laughs) So, like. There was a. There was a parade for Singapore Sling. I would be on that, right? (laughs) We're back on Singapore (laughs) Sling. When are we gonna have just one episode dedicated to nothing but Singapore sling? Janko finds a way. Uh, we Janko finds a way to bring it up at least once. I unintentionally somehow bring it up because I listened to the last episode that we recorded, and we talked about Singapore sling in that too. Here we do. So I don't want to watch it again. Not this soon. I'll watch it again. It's been a hot minute since I've seen it. I don't think I've seen it since like 2011 or something. That is a long time ago. Yeah, it's too long. I need to watch Singapore Sling again. Maybe I'll watch it tonight. Oh, good idea. Yeah. I'll bother you while I'm watching it. Ratings. Let's talk about uh, what we're giving true stories. Janko, you want to go first? Uh, Yeah. First, I just want to mention that I, my, my, probably one of my favorite parts of this film is that, um, Tito Tito Lariva is in this film. Uh, he's uh, the singer from a band called uh, Tito and Tarantula, and he's uh, been in a lot of Robert Rodriguez films. Uh, he he played the Ramon uh, character, um, and yeah, he's been in like the Mariachi trilogy, and uh, he's apparently good friends with Robert Rodriguez. And I just I just thought that was pretty cool that I recognized him. Um, but a uh, rating. Uh, I I I appreciate the 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 positive nature this film has. It is very wholesome and uh, very optimistic and very, uh, as you said, uh, very comforting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll give it a three and a half. Uh, like I enjoyed, I enjoyed the film. I think it's, I think it's uh, well made and perfectly um, appreciated. Uh, I guess, uh, I guess if there's one thing I negative I feel about the film is that it it, it sometimes loses me with the progression of the story, but uh, that is just a minor flaw. It's not really something huge, but uh, but still enjoyed enjoyed the watch and glad that it's that is finally something I could knock on my diary. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I can go now. Um. 
Yeah, I actually share a bit of the same sentiment as uh, as uh, Janko. Um, I think my scoring for the film will probably be three and a half. Is that what you said, Janko? Yeah, that, that's correct. Yeah. I think we've mimicked each other like almost to a T, which is very <laughs> yeah. rare. We don't always. Um, but yeah, I think three and a half is what I'm going to give it as well, too. Just because it is, in a sense, a little bit too plotless but that is also the point i i don't know um a part of it is there's things that i really like about it but then there's other things it's just like i don't find it as charming as maybe some other people do um i enjoy david brian's look on the sort of commercial uh very plastic wrapped view of america there's a comfort that he finds in it and he enjoys talking about it and dissecting it and taking it apart, putting it together. Uh, and he's not afraid to kind of point out the ridiculous aspects of it all. Um, and you get that with this mm. m- movie as well, too. It's just sort of like that home cooked dinner sense of how he wants to deliver it to you. Right. Um, yeah. It's very com. And quite yeah. literally, yeah, in one quite scene. literally, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's it's very comforting, and I can understand that. Even if you're not uh, familiar with any of the things of this film, its overall feeling comes across really well, and that's important in a film like that. You need to, regardless of who it is, you need everybody to walk away with the same sense of like I felt a, a, a bit at home with this film, and that I I kind of felt that. I've never been to Texas, but I felt that with this. Um, uh, so that that's probably the best thing I could say about this film. It, it, it's it's enjoyable in that aspect, and I don't think a lot of people know how to quite do that. And uh, this film does that. And I mean, do we really need a lot of films that can do that? That's the question. Maybe we could just always mm-hmm. come back to this one, like you do, Maggie. So, yeah, it's an interesting yeah. thought. And. I think it goes without saying that this is a five-star movie for me. Um, since, you know, I did pick it and it's one of my favorites for maybe six. And I do find it so, like, comforting. Um, I also like to show this movie to people all the time. So I'm really glad that I was able to make y'all watch it yeah, in a way. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. Um but like whenever people are like, oh, I want you to introduce me to different movies. I'm like, this is always <laughs> one of those movies that I have on that list. Um, but yeah, uh, one of my favorites. And I'm I'm a little sad y'all y'all rated it 3.5, but I forgive I both think of you. We defended so. ourselves well enough. I, I yeah. You did. That's why I say I forgive you. I think I uh, if I had to criticize one thing, I kind of wish because. I did read the title of this film, so that's what I knew, or not the title, the description of the film, and it says, it it doesn't, doesn't, but it does say filled with strange and musical characters. I thought it was going to be more musical based, like every character was going to have something to do with music, and even though they do, Uh, it's not really what the the movie's about. Um, it's just misleading. I think I might have got my hopes up for something a little bit more different. You thought it was going to be a mu- like a straight exactly up musical? straight up musical, but new, more musical than what it was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
But uh, and even some of the music scenes, like we kind of sometimes even start right in the middle of a song and it doesn't even end. And it's like, you know what I mean? It's not exactly all there. Um, yeah, I don't know. But that's a, a little little thing here. So, so Mac, um, what did you think about Dementor? Um, it's, I thought it was so bad that I thought it was the sequel to Star Whackers, uh, <laughs> or the prequel, depending on how you look at the film. I still, to this day, well, okay, we should say that and remind everybody that Janko watched this film with me so he suffered and I he did, did he did watch it with me so we got to comment yeah. throughout um there's a couple things that I actually do want to say about the film uh one I didn't so oh. the biggest thing I want to get this out of the way is uh, let's read the the plot one more time just in case people forgot after fleeing the backwoods <laughs> cult so this isn't really established in the film but it is here, apparently. After fleeing a backwoods cult, a woman tries to turn her life around by taking a job in a home for special need adults, only to discover that she must face her dark past to save a Down syndrome girl. Now, you can hear that and go, oh, God. And you look at the writing and you're like, this is going to go so many ways wrong in the whole what it's dealing with. Uh, the biggest surprise is that it didn't actually do that. Everything else is terrible. The way it handled that was actually fine. Um, it doesn't really have a comment to say on any of that stuff. Why it, it takes place in a special needs house is the biggest question because it doesn't have anything to do with the plot. Um, yeah, uh, that's the biggest confusion. Oh, I, no, it's see, this is the problem with this film. It's so bad. That I say, well, this is the biggest confusion, but then I really think about the film. It's like, well, no, the whole thing is confusing. Um, yeah. But I, 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 it's just really, really bad. Uh, I don't know, Jenko, what is you think? Yeah, it was, it, it was really bad. There was nothing to take from this film, and uh, there's like so, like line readings that are just plain bad you have that um character who works at that uh that center who just always talks like uh like she's uh see it's it's hard it's, to describe it broke janko yeah. that's a clear indication <laughs> of how bad him? this film is yeah. like it's a problem it, when this yeah. film's not even a linear story even if it was i don't think it would make yeah. sense yeah, and then it jumps back and forth to this this farm where apparently it's like supposed to be backstory, but it makes no zero sense at all. And uh, the really yeah. hysterical scene where she sits down on a really dirty yeah. mattress with a couple people, and they force her to listen to like yeah. <laughs> garbly cook <laughs> coming out of a Walkman, yeah. and she freaks out, and you're just like, "What is going on?" I don't know, Maggie. Do you remember this film very well? <laughs> Not very well. No, I don't. I, I watched it and I was like, oh my god, this you, movie is utter Did it garbage. make sense to you? Because yeah, honestly, um, Janko and I talked the whole time and we we couldn't no, figure it, it out. We couldn't figure out like, who one guy was. 
What I didn't understand is why Arrow would even have that oh, on their service. They do. Yeah. Oh. they do. Yes, that's where I watched it was on Arrow. I don't know. Um, Because I was like, oh, it's on Arrow. It's got to be good, right? And then I watched it and I'm like, no, it's got to not be good. You <laughs> yeah, know? it was. It's really bad. Like, I think I if we exclude Star Whackers, because that holds number one at the moment. Actually, I almost wonder if this is a new thing we should do. Yeah. What's the worst thing that's been on the segment? <laughs> Star Whackers holds that uh, for a fact. Yeah. But this is a very close contender. Yeah. Um, because it's just, it doesn't, nothing works about it. And I also refuse yeah. to believe that the main character got naked for this movie. Uh, I still say she was wearing like a super extremely tight skin suit. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I I, I must so, be saddened by the fact that Larry Fassenden even didn't save this movie a bit because he is like the he is like the what is he? In I make this sound very polite. Like he is the David Harbor from Wish, right? Like he's in the, all these B movies and. Usually is good, but um, yeah, he, mm-hmm. he didn't do anything for this film. Uh, Larry, he was like the the guy in the flashback. At the oh, farm, that like oh, the guy with the long long hair. Okay, yeah, I uh, I don't know. Yeah. it's just it's filmed so bad that you can't even make out people. Like that's that's a problem. Remember <laughs> yeah. that one scene? I was right. complaining. There's a scene where she's helping one of the girls in the special need homes on in a chair, and they thought yeah. it'd be really good to frame up the scene by doing it from the hallway and having the hallway door frame the scene. Normally, that does work, but the problem is the chair's not in the freaking view, so the character just walks off the scene and it, the, all this stuff happens, and you don't see anything, and it literally ends without seeing anything. You're like. Who yeah. thought this was a good idea? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. It, the choices for the movie were not oh, um, I, very I think, well thought out. Well, okay. I'm going to stop here before I say something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I will say this, though. Music is better than Dementor. I'm, 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 <laughs> I feel awful for saying that, but <laughs> it's more coherent and it makes more sense. Oh, wow. I do... I do well, I wonder never thought if, I'd ever heard that. See, the but... only thing that saves Dementor is it's short. Uh, if if this was really long, yeah, I actually think it would have taken movie. over from Star Whackers. Well, at least at least oh, well. he's crazy, but he's trying to be Shakespeare. Like he's doing things, and I could tell kind of what's going on. Yeah. Well, he I don't made know. an effort. <laughs> I don't... <laughs> it's funny we could sort say of. things and they could take it so out of context because they'll be like, "Well, you thought this about hard boiled, but you think this <laughs> Star Whackers? Mm. But all within the realm <laughs> of critically masochistic. But yeah. Um... <laughs> yeah and speaking of it is um oh. janko's oh by the way we, we both yeah, gave it yeah. half a star we would have given it lower yeah 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 but Damn, yeah no. i figured as much right, pick, half your, a star. pick your number Jenko. and uh, also yeah also the the card uh, is in my possession now right yeah yeah you yeah. have the card now uh, yeah you have the card. lucky number three okay you got a movie called Feed okay. um, from 2005, directed by Brett Leonard, 
Um, the tagline is, can you stomach it? And the description, plot description is only one sentence. Um, it is a cybercrime investigator tracks a man suspected of force-feeding women to death. (laughs) This is an Australian film, I believe. I think it's Australian. Um, Yeah, it is. I just checked. check? It is. Yeah, it's Australian. Um, this was actually the one I was hoping you weren't going to get because I kind of wanted y'all to get like the so bad it's funny oh, one that it, was in there. It, but it, this is the plain bad one. <laughs> oh. Yeah. <laughs> See what did I <laughs> what did I say? I would like uh, nothing gets past me when it comes to <laughs> this. Was probably the worst one oh, okay. out of the four. Oh, is this one? You, and then you got it. Right. Yeah. Uh, um, also, I decided not to use the card yet. So thank you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but since you no, like see, gross eating exactly stuff, maybe Thank you'll you, enjoy this one. Like, so. You already made your mind up. <laughs> By the way, the show's over. Bye, everybody. Goodbye. Oh, happy birthday. Happy birthday to us, by the way. Let's close off with that, really. Happy well, birthday. Yeah, happy birthday, all. <laughs> this, um, yeah, happy birthday. Yeah, this has been a pretty lengthy episode, but it's it, it's appropriate since it's our birthday special. <laughs> But uh, yeah, uh, but yeah, uh, you can contact us on critically optimistic podcast at gmail.com or at our Twitter, which is critically opti2. And uh, for our other episodes, you can find them on Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, wherever we host podcasts. And uh, have a good day and uh, stay tuned for the next one. Bye. Bye. Bye.